back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hell. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Over the last few episodes, we've been working our way through the book of Jonah, this incredible story of this prophet who doesn't want to obey. He doesn't want to go and preach to Nineveh, and so he runs. God sends this storm to hamper his running. He's thrown overboard. God sends a fish to save him. And now we are back to the second calling of Jonah. In our last look at Jonah, uh, verses three, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we saw that God issued essentially the same call to Jonah for him to go to Nineveh and preach. Today we're going to look at chapter 3, verses 1. Uh, one I'll read 1 through 10. We're going to focus on 3 through 10 and answer some of the questions that we see there and look at what we learn from both Nineveh's response and God's. So let me pray for us and then we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this incredible story that reminds us of your relentless grace, that reminds us that your grace toward the nations cannot be hampered even by the rebellion of your people. We pray, Father, that you would teach us to trust you in all things. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. When the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Well, as we come to this section, we have a number of things that pop up that commentators like to talk about and, and that may raise questions for you as well. The first is just the size of the city. So Jonah has decided to go back, decided, he has been persuaded by God rather persuasively uh, to go back and preach to Nineveh, and so he arrives there. And Nineveh is described as a great city, an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Now, even in the ESV, you see a footnote, if, if you have an ESV, that says, or a visit was three days' journey. In other words, there's some difficulty with translating exactly what this phrase means. And there's two kind of primary camps here uh, that, that are trying to, at least among people that are trying to take the text seriously, uh, that, that some see this as, in fact, a description of the size of Nineveh, three days' journey in breadth. Now, that is a tremendously large city. If, you know, the average person can walk 15, 20 miles, that would make the city you know, 45 to 60 miles across. The problem with that is we have no archaeological record whatsoever. We know where Nineveh was, but we have no archaeological record whatsoever 
of the city of Nineveh itself ever being anywhere near that size. So what exactly is meant here? Well, there, there is a difficulty in the translation, and as I said, commentators tend to fall into one of two camps. Either we see this as Nineveh being a, a, a name not just for the city proper, but for what we would think of as the metroplex. There were a couple of other cities that were kind of situated uh, and formed a triangle with Nineveh that would have been a, a big enough area and that would have functioned somewhat as kind of this metropolitan area in ancient times. So it could be that Nineveh had taken on uh, a name that meant more than just the, the city proper. That's one way that commentators uh, deal with that reality. The other, and Douglas Stewart follows this uh, line of thought, is to say that a visit would have taken three days. So the idea isn't that it's a great city and it's three days across. It's that it's a great city that is an important city. And there would have been particular procedures for someone like a prophet who would have been received as an ambassador, since they were representatives of a god, and those things were thought of very differently than they are today, they would have been received in a very official way. And because of the importance of the city, the, the, the rigmarole and, and the, the pageantry of everything of that kind of visit would have taken three days. And that somewhat seems to fit with the text that Jonah gets there and he starts preaching. And then the, the next day, the word reaches or, or sometime later, word reaches the king. And so there's this kind of processing through the ranks of Nineveh. So perhaps that's what's going on here. Either solution is well within the boundaries of the text and either solution deals well with the historical record. And Whichever one fits, I suppose, we'll know sometime later. But either of them makes sense and, and, and are fair explanations of what's going on here. But neither of those is really the point. The point is Jonah shows up and preaches. And the message that we have is very simple. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's just a warning. My God is going to destroy your city is essentially what's going on here. You've got 40 days and then it's curtains for Nineveh. And the response is very interesting. In verse 5, it says, The people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And then verses 6 through 8 basically say the same thing, that when word got to the king, that his response was to repent and to call all of Nineveh to repentance. And so this raises a question, what exactly was Jonah's message. Was there more to it than that? I mean, a lot of commentators argue that surely there was. Perhaps there was. We don't know for sure. He was certainly there begrudgingly, and his, his begrudging journey to Nineveh doesn't change as we see in chapter 4. He's still just as cranky about being there as he was when he was trying to not go. It may have been just that terse of a message. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. In fact, when we look at at Nineveh's response, their response isn't one of certainly God will relent. If we look at verse 9, this is what it says, and this is a good translation of the Hebrew. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. In other words, they're hearing this message and saying, hey, this God is going to destroy us. Maybe if we stop doing the things he's mad about, Maybe if we straighten up, maybe if we believe him, maybe he'll relent. And, and so 
perhaps all Jonah said was, 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. And their response by the Spirit working in them was, um, we need to believe this message. And, and we need to repent. We need to turn from what we're doing and listen to what this God has to say. And perhaps then he will relent. Now, there's all kinds of questions about whether was this true repentance or not. We know Nineveh was later destroyed, so maybe this wasn't true repentance. But we've got to look at the dates here. Jonah is, is mentioned in 2 Kings 14.25. We've talked about that before. And the king that was alive then was, uh, was reigning and alive. He was in the early 700s BC, which early 700s BC means it was like 790 to 750, somewhere in that range. When Nineveh was overthrown again, that was late 600. So again, it's BC. So that's like, it was actually, we know the date, it was 612 BC. So no one alive when Jonah was preaching would have still been alive when they were overthrown. That would have been a completely different generation. So that argument that, hey, well, they went back to what they were doing and got overthrown anyway, that doesn't mean that this group of people didn't actually repent. The better thing to look at here, rather than those dates that are so far apart that would have left none of the people alive when Jonah was around, alive when it was destroyed, is to look at God's response. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Now, God is not one who is easily duped by man. In fact, he's not duped by us at all. We're not going to fool him with our repentance. We're not going to put on a show that makes him go, oh, look, they did repent. And then him be surprised to find out that he was wrong. That's simply not the God of the Bible. So when we see that it says that God relented because of what they did, we should assume that they actually did repent. On top of that, when we look back again at verse 5, and the people of Nineveh believed God, Amon is the Hebrew word there. It's the same word that is used in Genesis 15, 6, when Abraham believed God. And Paul seems to make a very big deal of Abraham believing God. When his belief is described with the exact same word that the Ninevites' belief is described with here, perhaps what we should be seeing is that no, though they were wretched sinners, Though they were horribly violent, though they were as vile a people as we know, when they believed God, when they repented, God showed them mercy. Perhaps what we should be seeing here is not something that causes us to question, did Nineveh really repent? But we should see the overwhelming mercy of God towards sinners. That when they believe God, when sinners believe God, he shows mercy. Isn't that the gospel? That when we come to God, and we talked about this just yesterday in, in Mark chapter 6, when we come to God with mustard seed faith, when we believe him at all, the most meager faith, he shows mercy. See, that's the real story here. And that's what we're going to find out was what Jonah was frustrated about. He knew this is how God was. So there's no reason to doubt the Ninevites' repentance just because a generation, perhaps a generation and a half later, they were up to no good again. These people, it says, believed God and God showed mercy. 
That should encourage us. When we turn to God like the Ninevites did, when we turn to him in faith and repentance, what should we expect to get? Mercy. Why? Because he is a gracious God and he has sent his son to pay the price that we and the Ninevites deserve. That's right. Jesus died on the cross for Ninevites who turned to God in faith and repentance. That's why they could receive mercy. That's why they could receive grace. That's why we, when we turn to God in faith and repentance, can receive mercy and grace as well. Amen. Thank you.